Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Well, we just celebrated this week our nation's independence, right? July 4th, uh, the, the commemoration of a moment in time when a people realized that the status quo was no longer sufficient. That, that something needed to be done, that there was a way to aspire to a greater liberty. We can move in a, in a greater freedom. And, you know, we, we've already mentioned it several times in this setting today, the passage of Scripture that we find in John's Gospel that says to you and I that whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And I think it's time for the body of Christ to recognize that there is a greater liberty in which we might walk as we get a hold of what it is that God wants to do in and through each of our lives. There's a, there's a greater liberty, there's a greater expression of faith that you and I can know as we begin to say, you know what, the status quo just isn't cutting it for me anymore. I don't, I'm done with the rank and file of Christianity. I want to step out. I want to be a peculiar people. I want to be a, a set apart. I want to be one of those people that, that it is, my life is so indelibly marked by the presence and the power of God that I want to move out of my comfort zone and I want to begin to walk in new things and take new territory for the kingdom of God. Now, I, I believe that, that God is looking to ignite something on the inside of the people of Faith Assembly Church that through these next several weeks, these messages that we're going to be sharing is going to make us all aspire to rise to the level of God's calling in our lives. Just real honest here. How many of you feel like that your aspiration in sincerity and in full is the full call of God for your life? No, no reservation whatsoever. I got to tell you, sometimes I know, I just know I have the abiding sense that I'm not pursuant as full as I should be of everything that I know that God has for me. I know that there's more for me still. But with that, there's a trepidation. There's, there's a little bit of fear that's associated there. And we're launching a series today that's going to last for the next several weeks that we've entitled Free to Be Me. Free to Be Me. And I pray that by the end of this, you are freed in the Spirit of the Lord to be uniquely the you that God is calling and has created and has designed for you to be. Now... I want to I start by issuing a few disclaimers because we don't have any problem most of the time in our society with finding people who are very belligerent and saying, well, that's just me. That's just me. You can like it or lump it. You can, you can take it or leave it. You can do whatever you want to do, but that's just me. I am who I am, and I don't make any apologies for who I am. I feel convicted about who I am and the things I do, so I put it on Facebook to see if my virtual friends will affirm me in being who I am. 
and, and suffice to replace the conviction of the Holy Spirit in my life that's calling me to the high road. I see it all the time. I don't make any apologies for this thing, that thing, and another thing. And I can tell, I can tell in the wording of it, the Holy Spirit, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is eating them alive. But the affirmation of friends underneath, oh, go girl, I, I wouldn't either, you know. You're just, you're... And, and what, what we're doing is we're, we're shunning the upward call of God for, to be transformed from glory to glory to glory into the likeness of Christ and we're allowing the noise of people to replace the convicting power of the Holy Spirit that says come up a little higher come up a little higher I'm telling you that by the time we're through with this, I believe there's some of you that are going to come up a little higher and that this is not a license for you to be belligerent or mean-spirited or behave in extra-biblical ways. Maybe you were born that way. We were all born unregenerate before the blood of Jesus washed us and made us clean and set us free. But whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Paul said, Paul said, this thing I do, forgetting those things, and we're going to talk about this a little later in the series, but forgetting those things behind, striving, straining for those things that are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. I want to tell you something today, church. More than you need to be popular, more than you need to be liked, more than you need to be appreciated on this earth, you need to be striving for the upward call of Jesus Christ on your life, whatever it costs, whatever Whatever the sacrifice, whatever you have to lay down or shed of this world to get there, I'm telling you there's something greater. Y'all don't be kicking the oil around. <laughs> you know, there are rare commodities in this world. There are rare commodities in this world and one of the commodities that is hardest to find in our society is authenticity. I mean, I mean the genuine article, authenticity in the pursuit of God's call and purpose is even harder to find. It's, it's not that people want to be fake. I really don't think it's that people want to be fake. I think it's that people want to be accepted. And people want to be successful by the world's standards. And people want to be popular or liked or whatever it is. So we, we, we find it easy to fall into a, a copycat pattern. Because we see something in the lives of other people that is uniquely them and it's so attractive to us that we surmise in our own selves that what we need to do is we need to begin to walk like and talk like and act like behave like that person and then we'll have it going on but I'm here to tell you today that when you rise up in the anointing of the Holy Spirit that is distinctly and uniquely for you and you own who you are in Christ Jesus and you say I know who I am in him I know who he has called me to be I know who he has designed and fashioned and purposed for me to be and I will unapologetically be the, the person that God is calling me to be say pastor you don't you don't know what you're talking about i know what i'm talking about i know what i'm talking about i listen to podcasts all the time 
I, I listen to podcasts. I listen to people talk. I, I listen to people preach the word. And you know what? It is the hardest thing in the world for me to come up here on a Sunday morning and not try to be somebody else that I've heard because I like their style. I like the way they do it. I like the way God's anointing situates itself on their lives. But somewhere in the quiet hours of a Sunday morning, you got to get along with the Spirit of God and say, Lord, what are you calling me to do? What are you calling me to be? How are you calling me to convey the word today? Lord, forget what everybody else is doing. But Lord, what is your word and what is, what is your flow in my life? <laughs> Listen, and we, we do this, I believe it's, it's not out of a, as I said, a, that people want to be fake but it's because people are afraid it's because people are afraid when we when we think of other people and we think of what how God is moving in their lives we're just we're just so filled with confidence aren't we we are so filled with confidence in the power of God and his ability to move and his ability to anoint and we just look on at them with marvel and amazement and say, oh God, that is amazing. But then when we begin to consider that same source in the mirror of our own reflection and our own complexion, we begin to have doubts that begin to crop up and we begin to be fearful to step out into what it is God has spoken over our lives for fear that we're going to be perceived as foolish. But I know what they're doing is cool. Because I can observe and I can witness and I have my own perception of what that is. But, but when it comes to us, we're so worried about how other people are going to perceive that we can't be confident in who it is that God's calling us to be. And the title of this series is Free to Be Me. Not, not a version of yourself inside the bounds of your comfort. Not a version of yourself never challenges the deficiencies of your life. But the version of yourself according to the plan and the purpose of Almighty God. And can I tell you today that being is the genesis of authenticity. Some people think that the trademark and, the, and the, the, the mark of authenticity is the doing. If I can behave like a good Christian, if I can behave like a believer, then I'll be perceived as such. That's why we got a lot of posers running around, a lot of people that are fronting because they're trying to behave like something they have not yet become. And, and the, the issue is that when the pressure of life sets in, whatever's on the inside is what's going to manifest on the outside. And then we've got a generation of people around looking on at the church and saying, and listen, I'm not calling anybody perfection to perfection, and I'm not saying that you won't mess up, but that's why we've got a lot of people that look on at the church and say, why do I want to be a part of them? Because they're no different than me. Because when they got squeezed a little bit, that unregenerate part came out. But, but being is the genesis of authenticity. When we speak about things such as free to be me, I feel like our minds often go immediately to what am I supposed to do? What, what ministry am I supposed to lead? How am I supposed to participate in a meaningful and visible way in the work of the church? What is my purpose in life? What opportunities am I supposed to pursue? And as we're talking about this issue of being free to be me, I need you to understand that this is, these are not messages of doing, but rather of being. 
There's a place for action, understand that, because faith without works, the word says, is dead. And, and there's going to be some cross-section of principles in here where the application can be made both to the doing and the being. But authentic action is born out of a state of being. Many in the church have so confused doing the doing of Christianity that we've made it a means of identity. Because unless you're doing what I'm doing, you don't feel like you're significant in the body of Christ. Unless you're doing what somebody up here on this platform is doing, then you've discounted your significance in the body of Christ. Unless you have certain abilities and capabilities, then you discount your value and your worth in the body of Christ. But the word says that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. In other words, Jesus died for you just the same as he did for me. Jesus died for you just the same as he did for the greatest evangelist of all time. Jesus died for you just the same as he did for the apostles and the first century church. Jesus died for you. His blood was shed for you. The price was paid for you. Why? Because you are a person of worth and value in the kingdom of God and in the heart and mind of God. And we've got so many people that live strained and struggling lives because while they are caught up in the act of doing, they have yet to find rest and peace in the state of being. And we say, well, I'm only, I only feel that I'm contributing when I'm doing blank. And if I'm not doing blank, then I must not be making a significant contribution. But I want to tell you something today, church. The greatest contribution that you can make is to be authentically you in Christ Jesus. Rest in Christ. Wait in his presence. Walk by faith day by day. And these messages about being men or about being men and women of God. Don't misunderstand, however, that an authentic man or woman of God will make a difference by the things that we do and say. But they're most meaningful when they come from a place of being. The reason that I emphasize being is this. In my 20 years of pastoral ministry and taking a page from my own life, do you know the number one thing that I've observed that hinders us most in doing great things for the kingdom of God? It's not a lack of desire nor an absence of opportunity because those abound on every hand. It's not a state of disregard because if we were to poll the room today, every, I believe with all my heart that every individual in this place would say, Pastor, I want to do great things for God. I, I want God to use my life. I want to be a difference maker in this generation. I believe that with all my heart. That is, that is, I want you to understand that I'm stressing that because so oftentimes it comes across that is, oh, this and that. But no, I believe the best from you. I believe, I believe it is your desire to live a life that's pleasing to God. I believe it's your desire that others would see Christ in and through you. And I believe that it's your desire that the Lord would minister through you. I really do. I believe that with all my heart. 
But I believe that the number one thing that hinders us most, it's not even a doubt in our abilities. Because sometimes we have in us, resident in us, the desire to do and the forethought that we would really enjoy and find fulfillment in the doing. But the resident thing that's inside us is the question of who am I? Who am I to be doing this thing? Who am I to be stepping out in this way? Who am I to be speaking into this situation? Who am I to be ministering in this way? Who am I to be this type of person? And we, we can't quite pull it together because I believe the single greatest hindrance in the life of the believer today is not a sense of inability, but a sense of inadequacy. You, you know what the Lord has called you to do, and the truth be told, you can't find the wherewithal to do it. Not because you don't want to, not because you don't have a sense of your ability to do so or God's power to enable you, but mainly because you cannot convince yourself that you're the person for the job. The sense of inadequacy begins to spawn fear. A fear that often keeps us from rising up to God's calling in our lives. This was true for Moses. Moses stood there before the burning bush. God began to call to Moses. What did Moses say? Moses didn't say, oh, Lord, you know the Egyptians are great. They, there's no way, Lord, that you are able to overcome them. There's no way, Lord, that you can deliver your people. No, and Moses didn't say any of that. What Moses said is, Lord, I understand your plan. I understand your power. I've seen it all on display before. But what you need to understand is that I am slow of speech. I am the deficiency in this equation. Me, I, I can't do it. You can do it, Lord, and you could use somebody else to do it, Lord, but you can't use me. Because I have a fear, I have an attending fear, and I'm not free to be me. The me that you're calling me to be. And when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, when God did deliver them, God got a hold of Moses, God, God did release them. And when it came time for the children of Israel to go in and possess their promise, you remember the 12 spies were sent into the land of Egypt, to, uh, the land of Canaan to spy it out. And they came back, there were a dozen of them. Two of them had a good report, 10 of them had a bad report. What was the report of the 10? The 10 came back, said, it is exactly the way God promised that it was. It is exactly the way that God said that it was, but not, not God can't do it. Not that God can't do it. Not that it's not a good promise and a good plan, but we, we appeared as grasshoppers in our own sight. See, it's, it's the way I view myself in relation to the promise and the power of God that is so often the hang-up in my trek from where I am to liberty in what God is calling me to be. <laughs> and let me just share with you, too often we cannot be 
who or what God is calling us to be because of our fear born out of that in, inadequacy that's resident in our lives. Now, if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn with me to Judges chapter 6 because we're going to see here too that this same thing was resident in the life of a man named Gideon. And as you're turning there, I want to share with you some of these characteristics of this fear, and then we're going to jump into the life of Gideon here for just a minute, and then we're going to conclude. This fear that is so often resident in our lives that hinders us from moving in God's calling for our lives is, is this. It's often irrational. In other words, it makes no sense at all. In every, one of these, in every one of these accounts that we pulled from Scripture, there is a, there's a nature of irrationality that's associated with it. God, I, I know that you're greater than the Egyptians. I know that you can overcome, but I can't do it. Well, is your faith in God or in yourself? See, that's, a, that's an irrational thought that's there. And oftentimes when we begin to state our arguments and our, our fears and our insecurities and things, it's completely irrational. And the second thing about this fear is not only is it irrational, it's usually debilitating. In other words, it just keeps us bound right where we are. It keeps us imprisoned in, in, in what we are right at that moment. And most of the time, the third characteristic I want to share with you is that most of the time, this fear is generated not by external conditions, but by things right between our own ears. It's generated right in there. The truth be told, you and I would have no problem overcoming external challenges if we could conquer the internal fear to do so. We don't usually doubt God's ability. We don't underestimate the power of the adversary to be great. We don't estimate the power of the adversary to be greater. But for the life of us, we cannot ever estimate ourselves to be what God has given us the vision of being. Walk with me now through this narrative of the call of Gideon in the Bible and let me know if any of this resonates with you today. Verse 6 begins and it says, Now the angel of the Lord... Let me give you a little preface here. The children of Israel have occupied the land and they've, they've been enjoying God's blessing, God's promises, God's favor. But they've turned their hearts from God, they begin to sin and God turns them over to the Midianites. So they, they are now living under the tyranny of the Midianite people. And God, they begin to call out to God as they always do, and he comes to deliver them from this situation. And as a deliverer, in the same way that he called out to Moses and raised him up a deliverer for his people, now he's going to call out to this man named Gideon here, and he's going to say, Gideon, through you, I'm going to move powerfully, and we're going to, you're going to see deliverance in this generation. And it says here, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Aberezite, while, the son of Gideon, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. See, here's, here's, where, here's where this really begins to hit home. There's some of you under the sound of my voice that if the rest of us could just see the inner thought of the way that God has given you visions of yourself 
as a great man or woman of God, it would just be so absolutely awesome. But for the life of you, when somebody begins to talk with you about the call of God on your life, you can't find the wherewithal to overcome the trepidation and the insecurity to step out and say, you know what, I believe that if God really had his way in my life and I was living fully submitted to him, that this is the way things would be for me. In other words, there's already, what we see here in the text is, there's already a resident understanding in Gideon's life that he is to do something for the preservation and the deliverance of his people. He's bringing wheat in and he's threshing it in the wine press. Why is he threshing wheat in the wine press? He's hiding because if they threshed wheat out in the open, immediately as soon as they got done with it all, the Midianites would come along and steal it from them. So he's, he's what they say, he's over, he's over on the down low threshing the wheat. And, and there's some of you that keep dreams and desires and visions from God on the down low because you're afraid to let it get out in the open because you're afraid you're going to look foolish. But Gideon's here and he's threshing wheat on the down low. And Gideon's there working behind the scenes. He's got a sense of purpose. He's working to advance the cause. He's not fulfilling the whole purpose of God for his life, though, because while he's doing, he's not being. While he is actively engaged in doing, he has yet to become. But God's going to show up here on the scene and God's going to call him and what God is going to call from him is not some more doing, but some being. And when God finally connects, this is, this is what I love. I love this passage here because it goes right in line with our model of ministry here. Connect, grow, and go. Because when you get connected to your identity in Christ Jesus and you begin to grow in that, the natural outflow of that authentic connection to your identity in Christ Jesus and your growth area is that you're going to go. Because disciples make disciples. Now, the Lord is going to show up here and he's going to begin to call out to, he's going to begin to call out to get in. And what he's calling out from Gideon is not the doing but the being because what the Lord knows if that he can ever he sees that man who already has a hunger and a desire to be doing and what he realizes is that if he can ever connect the man of God to his being that God is calling him to be the natural outflow of that the doing is going to come along with it and he calls out to him how does he call and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Excuse me? I'm hiding in the wine press, threshing wheat. Hello? No, no. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. God, God is calling out, not what he wants Gideon to do because he's already doing, but he's doing it in the cover of secrecy. And God is speaking to awaken Gideon to the sense of being, and he calls him a mighty man of valor. 
said, you're going to be a mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Now, I want you to note with me that in the three verses, three verses there where the angel of the Lord is speaking to Gideon, he uses the word or the term you or yours seven times. Now, I know there's significance in numbers, and I know that seven is the number of perfection and completion and all those things. And I believe that that is the word for you today, is I believe it's very intentional here the number of times that the Lord underscores the word you. Because too often times we sit around in the body of Christ with visions of grandeur and we're waiting for somebody else. But what the Lord is calling out is for you. You, not me. Not me, I'm trying my best to be what God's calling me to be. I'm calling, I'm, I'm trying my best to walk in God's calling for my life. But God is calling you to be mighty men and women of God. Mighty men and women of God. Now, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, the Lord is with you. Uh-uh, with conviction. With <laughs> The Lord is with you. Just, just say it like you mean it. Do you believe that? Uh, of course you do. Of course you do. I believe the Lord is with you. I believe the Lord is with our online campus. I believe the Lord is with everybody that's seated in this place right now. I believe the Lord is with you. Do you sincerely believe the Lord is with your neighbor? Do you not believe that the Lord is able to fight their every battle and cause them to triumph? Don't you believe that the Lord has been with the preceding generation? Don't you believe that the Lord has a tremendous work for the generation that's coming behind us? That he's with them? But now I wanna ask you this question, what about you? What about you? It's, it's one thing to look at your neighbor and say, the Lord is with you. But I want you right now with a boldness to just declare, the Lord is with me. The Lord, the Lord is with me. It brings on a whole new light to the, you know, it's so much easier to recite Psalm 23 from memory than it is to live it in reality. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside the still waters and makes me to lie down in the green pastures. I can be strong. I can be courageous. I can rise up in my calling in Christ Jesus and be everything that he's called me to be. I'm... And when it comes to the miracle that God wants to do in his own generation, because Gideon there, he's recited all these things. Lord, I know how you were with the people in the past. I know. But me? Gideon offers the following. He said to him, oh, Lord, 
how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. Do you know, do you know what Gideon is doing right here? He's rehearsing the same lie of his adversary that you and I rehearse every day as we encounter the call of God over our lives. I'm not enough. Oh, Lord, I believe it for everybody else. I've seen you do it before. I've seen the cancers go away. I've seen the metal plate. I've seen the resurrection. I've seen all that stuff. But, Lord, not you're with them. But, Lord, can you really be with me? Because I don't think I'm everything. That I don't think I'm where you would be. But I'm here today to tell you, child of God, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And he's calling you to a place of being in him that makes you bold, that makes you courageous, that makes you fearless in the face of your adversity to be able to do exceeding abundantly above anything that you've ever dreamt. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. I'm going to be with you. Listen, stand with me all over this congregation today. When God sees you, he sees two things. When God sees you, he sees two things. Number one, he sees your current reality. He sees your present reality. He sees everything. He understands all of the challenges that you're facing in this life. He knows all of your weaknesses. He knows all of your deficiencies, all of your inadequacies. He, he knows all of it. He sees you behind the scenes secretly. He sees that, that spirit in you, that nature of Christ in you that is clawing to get out of you. If you just begin to rise up in courage and say, Lord, I believe you're with me. He sees all of that. He understands all of the challenges, but he also sees your potential. And, and God has a preferred future for your life and never does God estimate that your current reality is so great that it negates the potential that your life holds. And God prefers to call you towards your potential. And God will call you and is calling you, I believe, in this moment towards your potential. And listen, I, I just wrestled with this message so much because I just wanted to bring so much specificity this morning to be able to just say to you that, listen, if you're facing this thing in particular, then God wants to answer in this way. I can't do that, but I can give you a kingdom principle today that's applicable for your life. You know what it is that you're struggling with. You know what it is that's holding you back, that's keeping you down. You know the fears that, that bind you and keep you from rising up in God's purpose and call for your life, in who God's calling you to be. You know all these things. I'm asking you today, would you just prayerfully consider this word and let the Spirit of the Lord guide you and lead you to the place of freedom? Because when the enemy looks at you, he also sees two things. He sees your potential as well. And he understands what life would be like for you if you recognize your potential in Christ Jesus. 
not only does he know what life would be like for you as you realize your potential in Christ Jesus, but he knows the impact that it would make in the world around you as you rise up and are awakened to your full potential in Christ Jesus. And he's going to fight you and he's going to war against you tooth and nail to try to prevent you from reaching your potential. And the second thing that the adversary sees when he looks on at your life are your vulnerabilities. The places where you're weak. The places where he can slip in with a seed thought and he can sow things into your life that's going to spring up into a narrative. See, see what Gideon did is he rehearsed a narrative. Maybe it came from his parents, his grandparents. I don't know where it come from because we get all these things. We get all this garbage dumped on us in life. And we're, uh, I'm from this tribe and I'm from this place and I'm from this people and you know my people never had this. Stuff. Hey, it's a new day. It's a new day, baby. It's a new anointing. I'm telling you something. The power of God over your life is greater than whatever kind of baggage or garbage that you're towing around behind you. Cut the string loose and walk in something new. But he knows your vulnerabilities and he prefers to exploit your vulnerabilities. And too often the chasm that exists between being who we are and being who God is calling us to be is fear that is generated because we have believed and rehearsed the mantra of the enemy that's been spoken over our lives so many times. Fear generated by a lie that's been sown in our minds by the enemy will cause us to look directly at the creative power of God in our lives just the same way that Adam and Eve did and say, has God truly said? And I've never really... I've never really considered the absurdity of that question until just this week as I was studying for this message today. You realize that when God spoke in creation, He said, let us go and make man in our image. We're, we're going to make something of kind in the likeness that we are. And the devil comes in the garden and he starts rapping to Eve and he's telling her about becoming something that she already is. God forbid you to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because he knows that in the moment you eat thereof, you're going to become like him. God created you to be like him. It was already in the design. The thing that's keeping you from it is the lie of the adversary that's telling you you're not what God has already said that you are. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You are an overcomer. You are victorious in all things. You are loved. You are valued. You have a future and a hope. All those things, the promises of God, they're already yours. Don't let the lie of the adversary come in where you, God's calling and, and tug, tugging on your heart and you're standing there, oh Lord God, not me, I can't, we can't, we are this people and that. No, 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 you are mighty through God. You, you are anointed, you are blessed. You're accepted in the beloved. You are a royal priesthood, a holy people. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.